as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot and also now geeksout.org. And I am Andy Wilson, uh, still only of Big Shiny Robot. I gotta I gotta find another side project. <laughs> I think you have enough other non-movie projects that you're pretty busy with. <laughs> That's true. Well, and to be fair, you are producing my new podcast for now. So I'm Brooke Heim of this wonderful podcast and also the Not Entirely Perfect co- podcast with the producer of Andy Wood. Uh, yeah, hey, I am. I am the the producer of that, and and I think we should take like two seconds, Brooke, for you to talk about not not entirely perfect, and Adam, for you to talk about your new podcast. Oh, definitely, yeah. Cool, yeah. Well, not entirely perfect podcast is a podcast by yours truly. The first guest that I had on was Andy, and the second guest will be Adam. Uh, we'll be recording after this, so Yay. we're gonna take on things that are happening in the world around us um, each week from a different point of view with the new guest and just discuss the goings-on of the world. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited for that. When you, you were talking to me last week about being on there, and I was like, what do I talk about? And you're like, oh, we'll figure it out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's great, because since the bar is set at not entirely perfect, you screw up, eh, it's okay. It's just, right? you know, it's, like, just, it's just life, it's fine. I'm already admitting that I'm not perfect, so. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Come enjoy. I guess I'll have to make up for everyone, so. And that's yeah. just the notentirelyperfectpodcast.com, or you can find us on Facebook at Not Entirely Perfect and, uh, and iTunes and Stitcher. And iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on Twitter with Not Entirely Perfect. Awesome. And then uh, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll talk about funny books, but uh, remind me later on to talk about Ryan Reynolds towards the end. I got uh, a breaking news story about that. So, um, oh yay! But yeah, my my new thing uh, is uh, our good friend Brian Richards, who some of you may or may not know. Uh, we were talking about stuff, and we came up. He came up with this idea. He, he gets all the credit. Uh, it's for a podcast called Funny Books and Firewater, and essentially it's our every week talking about a certain comic book, maybe a graphic novel. Uh, the first one we did was The Killing Joke, and not only kind of deconstructing the story in the actual comic book, uh, but also coming up with alcohol pairings. So if you're going to get blitzed while you're reading your comic books, here's a theme for you. So uh, it should be pretty fun. We've got uh, Civil War, of course, because of the movie, on deck. Uh, and then our next one's going to go to the new Ninja Turtle comics, as well as Preacher. So uh, if you have some comics you've never read before or want to revisit, uh, by all means, come join along with us and have some fun. That's awesome. I took the kids swimming yesterday, and Prudence has on a Star Wars swimsuit. It's like rainbow, and it says Star Wars. And one of the dads there was like, I was just up at Dr. Volt's today. So if you need comic books to read and you're in the Salt Lake area, go up to Dr. Volt's. Yes, Dr. Volt's is up there. Uh, Jeremiah, our good friend, is up there. He might be joining us on Funny Books. Uh, and a free comic book day is coming up in about two weeks. So please make yeah, sure. Yeah, on the 5th, right? 7th. Uh, 7th, yeah. So make sure you stop in, and remember the rule of thumb is for every free comic you take, you should buy two, because they have to pay for those comics, those aren't free. So, you know, support your local comic store, and uh, give them a heads up for uh, helping you out with some free comics. Amen. So, uh, anyways, yeah, this week was, you know, really, really slow. I don't know if it's just because everything's kind of 
building up to Civil War and the big summer releases. Uh, so the only really big release this week was The Huntsman Winter's War, uh, which is the sequel to 2012's uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, I can honestly say probably none of us were too excited for this one, but I think it kind of surprised us. Uh, Andy, why don't you tell us kind of what the movie's about? Yeah, this was very surprising because 2012 Snow White and the Huntsman was as mediocre as it was immediately forgettable. Like, literally, I had completely forgotten that that movie even existed until they announced the sequel, and then I'm like, what? Why is there a sequel? Uh, so, went in very skeptical. This movie is a sequel, but it's also kind of a prequel. It's a pre-sequel. It's a pre-sequel. <laughs> Thank you, it's, Borderlands, for that. <laughs> it, it starts off seven years before the original, and we find out that the evil queen Ravina from the first film, who was played by Charlize Theron, uh, had a sister uh, who was played by Emily Blunt. And uh, she uh, she goes off uh, and makes her own kingdom. And she's got ice powers. It's, Elsa! Yeah, she's kind of Elsa. So uh, that's a lot of fun. And she starts taking over a bunch of territory herself. And this is fun. All of the war orphans that she creates, she brings them to her castle and she trains them to be her warriors, her huntsmen. And so you have uh, these two kid warriors growing up uh, who grow up into Chris Hemsworth and Jessica Chastain. And of course, because this is a fairy tale, the two of them fall in love. But guess what? Uh, Emily Blunt, she has decreed there will be no love in her kingdom. There will be no love between any of the huntsmen. And so she separates them, makes them uh, fight for one another. And, uh, well, Chris Hemsworth is left for dead, thrown in the river, floats down the river into Snow White's kingdom. And we know that part of the story. Cut to seven years later, and the magic mirror is missing. And uh, they need the Huntsman to go out and find it because it's also turning people insane. It seems that some sort of uh, essence of malevolence left over from the evil queen is still in the mirror and is infecting people, uh, making them go crazy. And so he's got to go find it and return it to the kingdom uh, to set things right. It's, it's kind of like a a Horcrux slash uh, One Ring of Sauron slash your typical movie MacGuffin that people are chasing after. And, uh, of course, he's not the only one chasing it. Uh, and uh, Emily Blunt's character is also trying to find it. And uh, she's about to go ahead and invade Snow White's kingdom as the last land that she has not conquered. So with all of that, our our story moves forward. Uh, this was, to me, very interesting because it was almost, almost this like perfect subversive feminist film. And I say that because to a person, all of the male characters were boring and underwritten and all of the women characters were awesome 
and kick ass. Jessica Chastain steals every single moment that she is on the screen. She is absolutely amazing. Whoever had the idea to dump a Lippy McBitey Powderson uh, from the first movie playing wait, wait, Snow White. Wait, wait. What did you call her? <laughs> Lippy McBitey Powderson. Uh, what's her name? Kristen Stewart. Oh, Kristen the only Stewart thing, she played. almost like she like stepped in something nasty. She always yeah. stepped in something. Ew! I stepped in dog poop. Yeah, it's because she remembers exactly. she's still her. <laughs> she she's remembering all of the Twilight movies. And oh the God, giant, I really did that. The giant piles of money that she gets to sleep on don't help her sleep well at night. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll stop ripping on Kristen Stewart. Um, but whoever had the idea to replace her and bring in uh, Jessica Chastain and Emily Blunt had the greatest idea in the last five years of cinema because you took a horribly mediocre and forgettable movie and actually made something really cool. Um, because like I said, those women characters are awesome. The only problem is the story continues to put the male characters front and center and it falls into some horribly cliched and tropey things which I know, Brooke, you and I, I have some just, agreements about yeah. that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, but uh, i that's my main criticism of it. But Not I, the CGI? I, no, I thought the CGI was fine. And in fact, in fact, I thought that uh, the, the director here, whose background is actually doing visual effects and being a second unit director, I thought he actually did a pretty amazing job, um, given that there were probably lots of budget constraints. Uh, I thought the costume design was phenomenal. Oh, well, yeah, that's what the... Uh, I think, didn't the first one get nominated for an Oscar for Best uh, Costume? Did it? You talk, I'll double-check. That's, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the world-building that they did in here I thought was great. And uh, while the first film I thought felt like a low-rent Lord of the Rings ripoff, this felt like its own thing, and I, I really enjoyed it. And um, I, I had a great time, um, but I still had problems with it. Yeah, the, the first one got nominated for two Oscars, actually. It got nominated for uh, costume design uh, and visual effects. You know, wow. for my money, the costume design, you know, completely follows over with this one. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous to look at. Um, I, I'm disagreeing with the special effects. I, I'm calling them the special effects that weren't so special. So, <laughs> but... Here, here. Agree to here, here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyways, that was... Yeah, but I, I agree. It, it's This is an absolutely gorgeous film to look at. I, I thought it was very pretty. <laughs> All of it. Um, I, I do fundamentally disagree with Andy in that... Um, I didn't have a problem with the way, like, I don't think that the men were put in front of the women throughout the whole thing. Like, I just didn't get that. Maybe because I, I like women and I kind of have a history of that throughout my whole life. Like, I see the characters that I wanted. Like, those are the ones that are prominent to me. Like, when I watch Star Wars, it's not about Luke or Han. It's about Princess Leia. So, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm just seeing it from a totally different aspect, but um, I think that Sheridan Smith was probably one of my favorite 
uh, people that were in this film. Like, her character and the way that she brought her to life, I thought was absolutely hilarious. Oh, she was fantastic. I mean, that was... It was every time she and, uh, you know... And I... The one... I do agree that the, the men were a lot more kind of bland and kind of just out there. I mean, Chris Hemsworth just... All he had to do was sit there, smile... Yeah, we just needed pretty. to see his eyes. Like he yeah. really, he really was the token pretty person in this one. I was like, oh, Chris. Yeah, but <laughs> you don't I even did. care about what you're saying. <laughs> and guess what? And he does take a bath. So for everyone who you know, it's, he's contractually obligated to take a bath in every movie. Um, no, but it was uh, Nick Frost and Rob Brydon coming back as the two dwarves, Neon and Griff from the first one. I thought they were great. I had a ton of fun with them. But then, yeah. like you said, yeah, when Sheridan Smith and Alexander Roach show up as the female dwarves who we've been hearing horrible, horrible things about for half this movie. I mean, those two just steal every scene they're in. Oh, I mean, they're they're having they so much fun. Brilliant. And that's the one thing I loved so much about this that I think kind of won me over because I definitely went in expecting, because I hated the first movie. The fiery passion, uh, despised that movie. And so kind of sit there like, ah, oh, crap, what am I into now? Um, but what was great was everyone was having so much fun making this film. I mean, you can, you can look and see that the, the glint in Chris Hemsworth's eye, or the, the smirk from Jessica Chastain, um, or even Charlize Theron, she comes back and just completely chews through the scenery and just, ra- just ravishes being this, this horrible, evil person. Um, everyone had a good time, and when, when the actors are doing that, you can tell they're like, hey, this is a fairy tale, we're not trying to tell Citizen Kane again, um, we're just here to have fun. That fun has no option but to kind of seep through and you know make the audience enjoy it as well. And that was my point to this movie, is I thought it was fun. It didn't need to be. It had no business even being created. And it was still really fun. And it's a fairy tale. Fairy tales, by design, are meant to give a moral, not um, be realistic. Like, they're just, they're just not. Like, Hansel and Gretel is what I was telling, talking with Andy about last night. It was Hansel and Gretel is about listening to your parents and not talking to strangers. You've got Rapunzel, which is about not stealing from the wicked crazy witch next door. Like, we all know there's no such thing as witches in real life. There are no goblins. There are no dwarves. I don't know. I've met a few. (laughs) It's part of why I hated the first one, was because I loved the story of Snow White. I don't know that I hated the first one, but I really loved the story of Snow White, and I liked her being a badass, but there there were parts of it that I just didn't resonate with me, and I enjoyed this one so much more than the first one, because... It's a story about getting your heart broken. Like, in the very beginning, it talks about her trusting heart, and um, it's about being true to who you are, staying true to trusting and loving people, and not giving up on love. And whether you're homosexual or heterosexual or feminist or whatever you are, everyone in this life has a place for love. And whether that needs to be with every character having a love interest and hooking up and getting married. Like, I don't know that it needed to go that far with everything, but I do feel like the point of this fairy tale was that love conquers all and to believe in love. And I think they did that very well and I enjoyed it because it's a friggin' fairy tale. Yeah, I, I get that. And I think, I think I'm expecting too much of this movie which really isn't fair because i i should have continued with my low expectations 
of the film to begin with. But then when it started becoming this very interesting, tightly woven narrative, I'm like, wow, it would be really cool if the main characters just said, yeah, you know what? I don't need to romantically couple with you because I'm a self-actualized person without you and I had my heart broken and that's okay. We can just be friends and and work together and we don't need to be in love with one another. Yeah, but- so I, 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 I agree with you, Brooke. I think you're right. It, it It's just a fairy tale and I should get over it. <laughs> I think the part that I liked about that though is that their hearts were broken on a lie. And there are so many times in this world where people are fed misinformation and it destroys relationships and having mended some relationships in just that way I love that they decided to get over that and give it a chance because god damn it if the whole world would just get over that shit and give it a chance again things would be so much better for all of us like I guess that's what I really took <laughs> took out of this this stupid fairy tale is that love endures and and even if it's not a lie even if it is a lie it's worth giving it a chance yeah I, I, I'm, I'm with both of you there I mean I think I think the story would have been more interesting had they met up and then realized like you know hey we were in love at one point in time uh, but this happened and you know now we're our own separate people doing these things um, but that being said there were certain elements of the plot that I won't reveal here, which, again, this movie's very, very predictable. I mean, if I, I'm not going to spoil it, but if I did, I wouldn't be ruining anything because you would have seen it coming from the moment the movie started. Yeah. Uh, but there's one very big scene that wouldn't have been as impactful had they not gotten over to it and kind of fallen back in love. Um, but yeah, I do I do love what, you know, Brooke says about the fact that, you know, their relationship was broken up over a lie. Um, you know, because they were both shown things that were the absolute, the one thing that would like, fully break both of them down and cause them not to trust each other. So getting over that is it's just a lesson that, you know, we say it's a fairy tale and, you know, much like life, you know, every single relationship is going to have those times where you're going to feel betrayed. And then the question becomes, is that a lie? Based on a lie? Is it the truth? Is it a betrayal I can get over? Um, can I trust this person again? Can they trust me again? And that doesn't have to mean like, oh, well, you know, I was with someone and they cheated on me. It can be as simple as, you know, oh, they did this and then like, you know, they were supposed to go pay this bill and didn't. Now we, you know, now we have to go to a, a, pay, a payday loaning place to get money for this bill. And there's always a million little things that will always pop up in any relationship. And so, yeah, with, with Brooke's side, it, is there a way to get over it and to, like you said, like, you know, let love conquer all um, or are you going to succumb and go from there? And can I just say, I think it's much more realistic and true to real life. Is anyone going to look at Chris Hemsworth smiling at you with those eyes and turn him away? No, there isn't a human in this. I don't well, if, if Chris Hemsworth oh, was okay. next to him, yeah, I'm sorry, I would. No, like that cheeky smile of his in this movie, There, no one in reality is going to walk away from that. I don't care. There's no one that straight or that gay. It's just not going to happen. I, I felt the same way real. about Haley Atwell saying mm-hmm. naughty on Lipstick Battle the night. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, I will not talk about that, or else I'm I'm going to need to 
go to my bunk for a minute. You know, Maya said the same thing. We were watching it, and <laughs> she comes out as Lady Gaga, and he's like, oh, I need some alone time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, and the one thing we didn't, we haven't really discussed too much yet, um, I was more worried about this film because Emily Blunt was in it, because I love Emily Blunt, and as far as I'm concerned, she can do no wrong. Even when she's in the movies, I wasn't a big, huge fan of. I still love her. Um, she was fantastic in this. I really think wasn't she amazing? She was amazing. She was great because I I love sympathetic villains where you totally understand where they're coming from. It doesn't mean you have to agree with what they're doing. Um, and I, I think the you know it's unfortunately it's the same type of deal, but it's almost like Mister Freeze from Batman. Like the whole time I was watching, I was thinking of that. You know, you lose. You lose the one person that's closest to you, that means the most to you, and then, yeah, your heart turns to ice, and, you know, you do things that are wrong. But, yeah, she and was she was great because she was sympathetic, but also she was a badass, and she was not going to stand for anything that didn't go along with her rules or her views, and um, if you didn't like it, well, sucks to be you. But, uh, no, she was, she was great. I loved every second she was on screen. Um... Because she, as much as Charlize Theron was over the top and just crazy, she was very much more subdued, but still just as crazy. Extremely well, believable in her insanity. Exactly. And that, and it's dark. I mean, I was really surprised when they show, you know, certain scenes at the beginning involving a fire. Um, I was like, I mean, it was just, it was disturbing. It was like, you know, there's, her, basically her baby gets killed in, in a fire and it shows the cradle and like there's smoke coming out of it. And I was like, holy crap. I will say, though, without adding too much, there are... She's so versatile in her acting, and the parts at the end of the movie with her, just, like... I think that's where it just really brings it back around for me, is, like, she adds so much humanity to that character, and she's just brilliant. She's so smart. I completely agree, and the the relationship between the two of them as sisters is an, a, a really amazing relationship because that's like every sibling relationship ever, especially where you have one sibling who's maybe a little more dominating and, uh, and parochial and trying to be a caretaker. And it's like, no, actually, you're just being a controlling, abusive a-hole. And uh, it... You know, she knows that her sister is evil and doing evil, but it's like it's it's like the Darth Vader thing. It's like I've gone down this dark path for so long. Can I ever really turn back from it? And I I thought that was one of the best pieces of this film. Yeah. So, I mean, I went in like I said before, just like ah oh, crap. I'm here for two hours of just bam. Um, and walked out having a good time. I mean, yes, there there were problems. Uh, it's very predictable. Uh, you know, there's there technically doesn't really need to be much reason for this movie to exist. Um, and unfortunately, we probably won't get a sequel because it's, it's not doing very well at all. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. I walked out and gave it a thumbs up. And, you know, it took everything bad about the first one and did it better. Uh, so I'm at a 7 out of 10. Uh, and I just, you know, it's... Like I said, not every movie has to be Citizen Kane. There are times when, yes, you know what? It is perfectly fine, and I don't care what anyone else has to say about this, and we know who I'm talking about, um, that you're fine to go walk into a movie, turn your brain off, eat some popcorn, and have fun. 
That's movies exist for escapism, the ability to go and live in a different world, or like and go have fun, or you know, ride a hippogriff, or you know, cast spells. That's the point. And yes, there are you know, you can you take that and elevate it to an art form? Yes. But sometimes you want just you want to see explosions and you want to see good-looking people take baths together. Yeah, and my thing on this, I'm at about a seven out of ten as well because, and we talked about this a lot at Comic Con. The characters in this movie are good characters. They're not good female characters or good male characters. It's not a good story, despite the message or despite how things were written. Like they are solid characters every single one had so much development individually completely regardless of what their gender was and and I loved it and if it were a story that was supposed to be reflecting real life and things going on yes there are a lot of things missing from this movie there are problems I really didn't enjoy the CGI like I get that there were probably budget things in place but um, I'm sad that it's not doing better because of the first movie. Like I think the first movie is why no one's going to see this one. But they really did do it so much better, and and I I really just simply enjoyed it for a fairy tale, and yeah. without having to think about it to just sit and enjoy a story. And actually, it's not doing too horribly. I guess so. And it took in twenty million, which you know again for a big budget movie isn't a lot. But I mean, Jungle Book is still out there just crushing everything around it. So well, how can yeah. it not? I mean. Yeah, I'm I'm just a little bit lower than both of you. I'm at a six and a half out of ten, uh, and three of those go to Jessica Chastain, and two of those go to Emily Blunt, and the remaining get uh, divided up between the dwarves. Um, well, because you I have just, a half a person, so that's why you have to have a half a star. Wow. I wasn't I wasn't going to say that, Adam, but you did so. <laughs> Uh, I just, these characters and these actors did such an amazing job, and so I can forgive it a lot of its flaws. Um, yeah, it's it's not Citizen Kane, but it's one of those movies that if you're not doing anything on a Saturday afternoon, hey, you know, this is a way to be entertained for a couple of hours, and you could do much, much worse. Cool. Um, so really fast, uh... I want to kind of talk about this story that's kind of been a big deal up here in Utah, uh, and I'll let uh, Andy or Brooke, whoever wants to hop on, kind of explain everything, uh, but it involves the movie Deadpool, uh, and a certain movie theater uh, we've been to a lot called Broovies. Uh, it's a place that, like it sounds, you get to go see a movie and, uh, you know, get some drinks and have some fun there. Uh, for a while there, Geek Show was doing, you know, once a month free movie night where double features of bad movies you got to yell at. Not big shiny robot. We've we've done Walking Dead screenings there until AMC got pissed. Uh, but Ryan Reynolds, you know Deadpool himself, uh, just saw a story about what was happening and literally an hour, like right when we started doing this, tweeted out, "Thank God they found a way to legislate fun." Um, Andy or Brooke, do you guys want to kind of explain what's going on up here? Yeah. So the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, the DABC. Is yeah the Mormons? The... <laughs> they're they're the fun police in Utah, and uh, um, they control all sale of alcohol. Utah liquor laws are really weird and really arcane, 
And one of the things that apparently you can't do is enjoy an alcoholic beverage while there is either actual nudity in front of you or any sort of depiction of nudity or sexual acts on a screen. So, okay, um, before we go, go on past this, I would just like to say that strip clubs in Utah, you can either have full titty nudity or alcohol. So, like, you can still be naked. You just can't be showing your nipple. Right, get that pasties on. Um, and this happened before with Brubies, where they got in trouble for The Hangover 2, because as much as that movie was a piece of crap, um, there in Thailand there was a scene where they go to a, uh, a strip club, and there are some um, transvestite workers there, and one of them strips down naked, uh, and you see, heaven forbid, you see a penis for literally one second. Uh, okay, and, so... <clears throat> and what happened, though, the reason what happened with that one uh, was that actually the owner of a strip club, I think it was, well, I won't say the name because I, I can't guarantee it's them, um, who was doing full nude and was upset that he couldn't serve alcohol, went to Bruby's saw it, and then went and complained to the DABC saying, well, how come they can do it when I can't? And so that's where their first quote-unquote offense came from, you know, what, five years ago? So this okay, is like, yeah. See, here's my, here's my problem with all of this. Can I just make this loud and clear? Oh, by all means. Um... Their problem in each of the movies that they are upset about and that they've charged charges against Bruvies for have both shown a penis. There was nudity in Mad Max Fury Road, wasn't there? I don't think so. Uh, there was, they, they were wearing the chastity belts, but they didn't really show um, much of anything. But no, there have been... Just, I've seen other movies there where I've seen boobs. Oh, we saw we saw airplane there for uh, a movie night, and I'd never seen. And I had the seen only times that yeah. they've charged charges is when there's been a penis. Like, yep. as long as it's women's nudity, well, then that's okay. But God forbid you defile our manhood and show up. So, and anyway, to, so to be able to get mad about the penis, like they they quoted in the article that there was full frontal male nudity. You had to look so hard to see it. Yeah, you did. How did they? It, it was that. In that? The, Woman's Appreciation Day because it was uh, yeah. again that that scene didn't show anything. It was all no. up to imagination. It was like it was like Reservoir Dogs with the ear. You never saw anything happening in that scene. Um, now that being said, if your teenager saw it, you might have some explanation to do. I'll, I'll cut um, off my feminist kick now. I just that yeah no no well, but Brooke, you're totally right. You're totally right. And Adam, this is a movie that you and I have discussed several times uh, called uh, This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Oh, which uh, if you haven't seen it, is my favorite documentary of all time, hands down, and they are making a sequel. So keep an yeah. eye out for that. And, and one of their big points is how the rating system differentiates between male nudity and female nudity. And again, you're, Brooke's absolutely right. It's, uh, heaven forbid we should see a penis. <laughs> so Actually, South Park the... did a wonderful episode called Eek a Penis about that, and if just go check it out. Uh, they're all on Hulu now. Um, but it involves Mrs. Garrison wanting to become Mr. Garrison again. And uh, they, they say they're, they're regrowing his penis on the back of a mouse. And the mouse gets out. And it's all these people, like men and women in the theater, like climbing up on their, on their, on their seats. Like, eek, it's a penis, it's a penis. <laughs> and then it sings the, then it sings the um, American Tale song as a duet. And I'll let you figure out how it does the duet. Um, but yeah, oh just check that God. one out. 
it's one of the yeah. funniest moments I've ever seen in South Park. That's that's a really good one. But the the point is, so they Bruvies has turned around and sued the DABC and said this law is unconstitutional. Yeah, they're this saying is it's actually First Amendment rights. Yeah, this is something I agree with because this is no longer the DABC regulating alcohol and alcohol sales. This is them regulating content of movies, and that's just ridiculous. And the reason, uh, and what pisses me off even more, was that one of the agents who he took his his other agent to go see us, he had already seen it previously in Ogden, so he knew what was going on. He's like. Let's go see if we can bust Bruvies. So it wasn't just like, hey, yep. we're checking to see if they're following the rules. It's like, no, we're specifically going there to cause problems. And because we're the big bad DABC and everyone's afraid of us, you know, um, we can do whatever we want and no one can say no. So this is pretty much, this is this is government overreach at its worst. Um, and, you know, it is, this isn't people will go and scream, oh, it's the Mormons, it's the conservatives. No, this is the extreme on either, either spectrum. Whether you're liberal or conservative, if you're on the far left or the far right, you are wrong, and you know your views are not correct. Trust me, there's no one agrees with the fringe elements, um, and so. But this is just fringe elements coming in and trying to mess with everyone, all of us who are mainly more in the middle and just trying to live our lives and enjoy a good movie every now and then while we're having a beer. Yeah, I, I'm just. This makes me so sad because I live in Austin, in the mecca of places to go see movies with all sorts of offensive content and drink a beer while doing it, the Alamo Draft House. Which we'll so. probably never get now because of this. Well, no, because I, I think, actually, this is a very smart legal strategy and that Bruvies has very good legal footing and their lawyer, Rocky Anderson, I, I mean, he worked for the ACLU for a long time. Uh, he was mayor of Salt Lake. He's run for Congress. This guy knows his stuff for the most part. And I, the the federal court that they would end up going to um, that that oversees Utah has become a little bit more liberal. And I think that they can win they at the federal court. get married now. Yeah, they, they did. They, they paved the way for marriage equality for the rest of the country with their ruling. And um, and even then, it if if they appealed from that, it would go to the Supreme Court. And uh, if if it stays at four four, then the federal court ruling stands, and uh, Bruvies will probably win. If uh, if Obama gets his guy in, if Hillary's elected and puts someone in there, then that is going to be a a liberal majority court and Bruvies will probably win and will and the Supreme Court will likely agree that this is censorship of films not regulation well, of alcohol I, I think actually whether or not the the Supreme Court has a, a more liberal or conservative bent all of them even even, even Scalia when he was on there um, was very very much more pro freedom of speech so that's 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 one of the things they're very very reluctant to tamper or mess with. So I think, no matter how it stands, whether it's a divided court or if it's the, well, if it's the you know eight members or nine, if it makes it up there, honestly, I, I don't see it doing that. I mean, I don't see. But then again, Utah likes to likes to legislate, litigate things. Um, yep. I just I I can't see them being like, oh well, 
you know, this this is a form of censorship, so we're going to, you know, let that happen when they they pretty much stood firm and said, no, we don't we don't support this in the past. Yeah. So no, I I think they will. But speaking of censorship, um, I'd like to bring up uh, we lost a, a great person this week uh, with Prince, and and I bring this up in light of censorship. Uh, because a lot of people don't know this, but his song, Darling Nikki, uh, the lyrics of that so offended Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, that she decided to start their brigade of uh, raving biddies and go out and try to regulate the content of music and music lyrics uh, because she said that those lyrics were obscene. Wait, so it was Prince? I always, I always thought it went back to, um, to NWA. Nope, it was, uh, it was Prince. Darling Nikki. Darling Nikki was the song that that caused that. And I, I and definitely, yeah. I had no clue. I always assumed it was F the Police. So nope, nope. It it started even before that. So, uh, but you know, Prince was one of those people who pushed the boundaries on so many things and so we wanted to take just a couple minutes uh to talk about prince and his contributions to uh to film and uh televised entertainment of all kinds and the impact that he's had um caveat none of us are like the most hugest prince fans but i think we all agree that he was someone we grew up with for me at least Prince was pop music growing up, and uh, you know, I there's so many touchstones in my life that I can that I can trace back to Prince, and I, I think it's worth uh, giving giving the man his due and and giving him his propers. So, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll do it because mine mine's pretty short. Like like you mentioned, you know, I I grew up knowing Prince. I of course had seen Purple Rain, knew all the songs from that. Uh, and Purple Rain is better just as a concert movie, but we'll we'll discuss that in a second. Um, but I think the because we were talking before we recorded that when, when Bowie died, that was a big hit to me because I've been a huge fan forever, um, was much more invested. So Prince, it was more just kind of a surprise that like holy crap, he was only fifty seven. I mean that's that's twenty years away from all of us. I mean that's that's not old. That, that's within striking distance. Um, so I think it was, was was more of a shock that like holy crap he's not here anymore, um, but what uh, what I was really kind of interested in was learning all the stuff that he wrote that uh, you know no one else no one else knew he'd written. I mean he because he did a lot of stuff himself, but he much like uh, like Willie Nelson's done, he's he wrote a lot of songs and gave them to other other artists. So I mean, uh, Sinead O'Connor, her biggest hit was nothing compares to you. And that's his song. Like he wrote it and gave it to her. Um, and if you listen to it, you can, if you you can picture Prince. Prince that is, that's such a princey song. Oh, like yeah. the way that it's written and and the way that melody goes. That's like the princiest Prince song ever. And he didn't sing it. No, he gave it to Sinead O'Connor. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and before I forget, uh, last night uh, SNL did a whole Prince tribute. They kind of pushed aside everything they were going to do. Um, so if you have the app or if you go online to watch it, it was really cool. I'd say that the first half were just all of his performances over the years on SNL. And it's, it's really fun to kind of watch him evolve as an artist and like his look and everything about him. Uh, and then the second half was just the best of 
uh, all the SNL skits, you know, about Prince. Uh, so that was that was a ton of fun. Uh, so if you get a chance, check that out. It was it was kind of fun to come home and watch that. But uh, yeah, some songs like uh, "Manic Monday" by the Bangles. I, mean, I remember hearing that song as a kid and falling in love with it. Uh, but yeah, that was a Prince song. That was a, a huge one. Um, he's done some for Cindy Lauper, Alicia Keys. But I think the funniest one, and this is because it links back to Purple Rain the movie, was he wrote Jungle Love for the Time, which arguably is one of their biggest hits. Um, and it was just funny because, technically speaking, they were his rivals and the bad guys in Purple Rain. In so. Purple Rain. Yeah, so okay, that. so who listened to the podcast last week? I I snuck in Jungle Love into the music bed last week, <laughs> and I was like, we're talking about the Jungle Book, and I'd kind of run out of like my favorite Jungle Book songs, yeah. and so I'm like, I'm gonna use Morris Day and the Time Jungle Love just because, like I don't know, because sometimes I I'm feeling puckish when I when I lay down the music, and I think because they're also and, all a bit psychic. <laughs> I, maybe, um, but that was. Uh, I, I, I was like, I'm like, should I do this? Should I not do this? And then when when Prince died, I was like, well, I made the right call. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm glad I, I, I did that. But yeah, that's that's so funny because they're they're his rivals in the movie. Um, but he wrote their well, their only big song. Um, but uh, yeah, that was. I, Purple Rain, you're absolutely right, is kind of a weird movie where uh, it does work kind of better as a concert movie. Its musical bits are certainly better than the the acting bits and the and the story. But what I think I respected most about it was that he was essentially able to make a musical and make it work, uh, and that's that doesn't happen very often and you look at all of the other hundreds of pop stars who have tried to make films to showcase their their singing talent and they're almost all awful the fact that prince made such an iconic film and such an iconic soundtrack like probably half of my favorite prince songs are off of purple rain and um, it's it's just a it's just a fabulous film. And whenever people start arguing about like what's the greatest soundtrack of all time, Purple Rain undoubtedly comes up mm-hmm. as as one of them because it's it's just such an easy answer because it it's so amazing and it's a pretty decent film. Um, I want to talk about uh, another soundtrack that Prince contributed to, um, which we also featured on the podcast a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Of course, I snuck in Prince's Bat Dance because th- that to me, I mean, that was Batman. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was that was my Batman was uh, Tim Burton in 1989. And that Prince soundtrack, and it's so funny that, you know, that soundtrack was written by Danny Elfman from Oingo Boingo and Prince. <laughs> like, what an amazing uh, a couple of hugely talented people. And, yeah, Bat Dance, in retrospect, is kind of silly, but um, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is all because of the Prince soundtrack, and that's uh, Party Man 
when Jack Nicholson uh, kicks his way into the art museum and he and his gang go around defacing all of the art and they're playing that Prince song uh, in, in the background. It's, it's just such an amazing melding of, uh, of song and film that should not work. Should not work, never in a million years, and somehow it's like the magic chocolate and peanut butter that you're like, wow, that's amazing. Um, so uh, my, my hat's off to Prince on that. Brooke, what about you? I haven't heard much from you about Prince yet. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm a girl. Um, what? I know, shocker. Um, no, but like growing up in the time that we did, my older sister, Katie, bless her heart, she has had two celebrity loves. Well, three, but really just two to talk of. It's been Prince. Um, all growing up, and then Heath Ledger when we were older, and uh, when Prince died, like I was oh, actually like, got her heart broken twice now, hasn't she? Yeah, like I was really concerned about her actually, <laughs> so I called her. I was like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm okay." And I was like, "I mean, his body's probably not too cold yet. If you want to get over there, you oh. could probably still sleep with them." And she goes, "No, the only person I would sleep with after they died was Heath Ledger, but I think I'm doing okay." Like. <laughs> Like, he was actually a really big influence in my life because of my sister. And um, whether it was a song that he wrote for someone else or one of his very own, like, his songs were songs for either crying it out with a broken heart or dancing it out to get over it. Like, and that's kind of what he always was for you. He's like a go-to that you can go to um, and just really, like be true and get emotions out and and he broke so many boundaries with just how he lived his life um and the things that we're finding out now that he's done humanitarily like he's just like a really incredible person and i think it's sad the world is a little darker without him um i very shortly dated a guy who uh <laughs> got dumped for prince like his his girlfriend at the time cheated on him with prince and then dated Prince. What? Yeah. So, <laughs> true story. But like when we asked him about it, we're like, well, how many people can say they got dumb for Prince? And he was like, more than you'd think. <laughs> so, um, so like now, like there's kind of a running joke between me and like our friend Jeremiah and my friend Jenny. Um, whenever I was having a bad time, they would like post Prince songs or memes with Prince on them on my Facebook and never really talked like it was really a, like not something we really talked about but so like even now that I'm older like Prince has given me so much joy <laughs> because it's like I'm having a bad day well at least you didn't get dumped for Prince here's a meme or here's let's listen to Kiss one more time like I'd get in the radio and it Kiss Especially in the last year, so many times I'll get in and Kiss will be on the radio or like random print songs, and I'm like, ah, the universe does still love me because that's funny. <laughs> so, I, I am really sad that the world has lost such a beautiful human who refused to be caged and confined to anyone's expectations but his own. And I want to try to live a little bit more like him. 
Amen. Cool. Well, I think we've we've tapped that out. I know there's a. I mean, if you get a chance, like we said, Purple Rain is very much more of a better concert film. Uh, some of the acting is cringeworthingly worthingly bad, uh, but actually it was just on TV on uh, Friday, so I got a chance to watch it over again. If you've never seen it, definitely check it out. Uh, it's it's one that's for good or for bad, very very memorable. <laughs> Go and cleanse yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. Um, or or even if you want to go check out like the Dave Chappelle stuff he did with him. Um, oh my gosh. And here's how cool Prince was is that so Dave Chappelle famously did a skit about Prince playing basketball with uh, Char- Charlie Murphy, who's Eddie Murphy's brother, and afterwards going inside and making them pancakes. The funny thing is that uh, the first single Prince did after that, which was a couple years later, uh, the cover was Dave Chappelle dressed as Prince holding a thing of pancakes. Um, I think the name of it was called like Breakfast Can Wait or something like that. Um, so you, that's you know, awesome. As, yeah, uh, yeah. Breakfast Can Wait. It was a single he did, and yeah, it just Dave Chappelle's Prince with a thing of pancakes and a frilly blouse. So, <laughs> well, because that story was like totally true too. Oh yeah, like that's just the kind of guy Prince was. Like, uh, go and find an evening with Kevin Smith. Uh, DVD from like 10, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. And he tells a story for 30 minutes about the week he spent at Prince's Compound. And it's fascinating. And there's all these stories, and they're all true. Fantastic. Yeah, that's actually something people didn't really understand was that the, the Charlie Murphy skits about Rick James and Prince on the Chappelle show, those were true. Like, they, that was his telling the crazy stories about growing up in the 80s with his brother when his brother was the biggest name on earth. Um, so yeah, check that out. Check out uh, Purple Rain um, and definitely the SNL from last night. It's, it was a lot of fun um, and just a great, great way to kind of pay remembrance to, uh, unfortunately, someone who passed way too soon. And Batman. And Batman. I am Batman. Um, I am Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Videos. Um, so yeah, this, that's it for this week. Uh, next week, it's again slim pickings. We've got uh, Mother's Day, which is the Jennifer Aniston rom-com with uh, Julie Roberts and Jason Sudeikis, and then Keanu finally comes out, and we've already talked about that because Andy got to see it at South by Southwest, but hopefully we'll get a chance to finally see it, weigh in, um, and maybe catch up on some movies that some of us missed and want to talk about. Because again, until Civil War comes out, uh, it's it's pretty slim pickings right now. But until then. Hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass fly.
to 